Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. This is Advent season, um, a time in which we are looking back to the first coming of Jesus Christ into the world, and, and we're pausing, um, many of us, to think about the events that led up to and included his arrival. And we as radio hosts have been going back and looking at some writings of J.C. Ryle. There's a book that came out this year called The Coming of the King, 25 Readings for Advent. A lady by the name of Mary Davis compiled some of our our J.C. Ryle's thoughts from his writings on the Gospels and put it into a helpful little devotional. I have benefited personally from this little devotional, and hopefully the guys around the table also have as well. We have Jonathan Van Hoogen from Spring United Reformed Church, and Ryan Hempel from Treasure Valley RPCNA, and Vinny Hinky from Valley Life Community Church. I went in the wrong order, and so that made it really but hard for me. you did it very me. well, dude. You yeah. did, yeah. So we it's have been, been yeah. I've been. I the stay first up shall be late last. At the night. last shall yeah, be first. That's right. You don't realize the stress of my life. Um, <laughs> we have been just taking some of these thoughts. So we're back in Luke one. We were there yesterday when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, and so we're going to just go back and read a little bit of what we were where we were at yesterday, and then just go a little bit further in Luke one. And I believe Ryan is taking us there. Yeah, this is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38 in the ESV. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In response to the question that Mary asked, J.C. Ryle begins to write, 
Let us mark the prominent place assigned to the Holy Spirit in the great mystery of the Incarnation. We find it written, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. A thoughtful reader of the Bible will probably not fail to remember that the honor here given to the Spirit is in precise harmony with the teaching of Scripture in other places. In every step of the great work of our redemption, we find special mention of the Holy Spirit. Did Jesus die to make atonement for our sins? It is written that through the eternal Spirit, he offered himself without spot to God. Hebrews 9.14 Did he rise again for our justification? It is written that he was made alive by the Spirit. 1 Peter 3.18 Does he supply his disciples with comfort between the time of his first and second advent? It is written that the Comforter whom he promised to send is the Spirit of truth. John 14.17 Let us take heed that we give the Holy Spirit the same place in our personal faith with which we find him occupying in God's word. Let us remember that all believers have, are, and enjoy under the gospel. All that the believers have, are, and enjoy under the gospel they owe to the inward teaching of the Holy Spirit. The work of each of the three persons of the Trinity is equally and entirely necessary to the salvation of every saved soul. The election of God the Father, the blood of God the Son, and the sanctification of God the Spirit ought never be separated in our Christianity. So we're going to talk about the work of the Spirit um, in the life of Christ today. Maybe it would be helpful for our listeners. I'm springing this on my my co-host because we didn't talk about this off air. Maybe you have some books that you've read on the work of the Spirit that might be helpful for our listeners? Sinclair uh, Ferguson actually has one on the Holy Spirit. And I, um, in a series, I think it's Contours of Theology. And Just entitled a, The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and it's a particularly good one. I think it's uh, J.I. Packer wrote uh, Keep in Step with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great summary of you know, the Holy Spirit's work. Jeff Thomas has one just entitled The Holy Spirit, also helpful, easy access. Uh, There's a small book, Who is the Holy Spirit by R.C. Sproul. If you're wanting to do a little bit more work on the Trinity, and John Owen has communion with the triune God, Mm. might not have the word triune in it, communion with God might be just the title, is an excellent book, and it has been re-edited, or it has been edited and re packaged um, and i would suggest you get that copy it's just a little bit easier to read just in the formatting Uh, michael reeves has delighting in the trinity joe thorne has one called experiencing the trinity the grace of god for the people of god that's enjoyable and very good those those are just helpful if you're just trying to get a baseline of person and work of the triune god but today we're specifically looking at the work of the holy spirit how did the spirit work in the life of Jesus Christ, beginning with conception all the way through? How would you describe that working of the Spirit? I'd use the word supernaturally. So if we think about all of the moments and times from his incarnation through his life and ministry and even to the resurrection, where Jesus experiences the, the surpassing of the natural law 
in creation and revelation. So everything from his incarnation, when the spirit overshadows Mary, to Jesus's uh, teaching ability as a young boy in the temple in Luke 2, to his healing ministry of diseases and blindness and deafness, to his multiplying of food in the feeding of the 5,000. Like all of those are moments where the, the natural means are surpassed by the work of the spirit. And so it's really supernaturally and then A to Z beginning to end all of it flows from the Spirit's ministry in and around the life of Christ. And this is the uh, same Spirit who is also involved in the creation of the world, or the creation of the universe out of nothing. So as far as his, you know, the conception of Christ is concerned, he's able to take the egg of Mary and make it a fully, fully human, not just female DNA, but male and female DNA. It was a, it was a miracle. And also in that, he was able to take the the sinful flesh of Mary and make from that a pure sinless child in Christ. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the source of Jesus inside the womb of Mary. And this is what's brought out in the fact that uh, in the answer that's given to Mary that the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow her. The uh, you know, C.S. Lewis puts it this way in his book, Miracles. No woman ever conceived a child, no mare a foal, without him, without God. But once and for a special purpose, he dispensed with that long line, which is his instrument. Once his life-giving finger touched a woman without passing through the ages of interlocked events. Once the great glove of nature was taken off his hand, his hand touched her. There was, of course, a unique reason for it. That time he was creating not simply a man, but the man, capital M-A-N, who was to be himself. He was creating man anew. He was beginning at this divine and human point, the new creation of all things. The whole soiled and weary universe quivered at this direct interjection of essential life, direct, Uncontaminated, not drained through all the crowded history of nature, and he's and this he's just putting it in uh, in a kind of a prose form, uh, just a, this overwhelming thought that the Holy Spirit is the one who is the source of Jesus Christ inside the womb of Mary. Sometimes a mistake is made to think that Jesus was sinless because of something about Mary, right, or that. Jesus didn't have a human father, and because he didn't have a human father, that made him sinless. Now, um, what what Luke 1 is telling us is that it's because of the instrumentality of the Spirit mm-hmm. that he's sinless, mm-hmm. that the sinful nature is removed, if you will, to, to try to describe it in any other way, I'm not sure how, by the work of the Spirit, that the Spirit maintained the sinlessness of Jesus Christ because he had to be born as the second Adam. Yes. He had to be born in the same state that Adam was born, without sin, without a sin nature. Oftentimes we talk about the virgin birth of Christ, but really what we're talking about is the supernatural conception mm-hmm. of Christ. This is a supernatural conceiving that allowed for him to be born of a virgin. Right. Yes, right. Yeah. And, and we see that sinlessness, you know, pointed to in, in not identical comparison. Uh, but when Moses meets with God at the burning bush, when Joshua meets with the angel of the Lord too, what does the angel of the Lord in both instances say? I mean, his presence 
makes the very ground around him completely holy. Mm-hmm. So it's the same, it's a similar thing. I mean, the conception by the Holy Spirit makes it holy. Mm-hmm. And the work of the Spirit continued through the life of Christ. Just a couple chapters later in Luke chapter 4, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the, by the Spirit in the wilderness. The beginning of the life and ministry of Christ, not the life, the ministry of Christ begins with his baptism, and the, the Spirit descends like a dove, and the description after that is that he's full of the Spirit. It, yeah, it rested upon the, yep. the the rest. The Holy Spirit rested upon him not to be removed. That's right. And his life, or his his ministry, his life is then lived in that fullness. We were talking off air that, and maybe I'll just defer to Ryan to allow him to say what he said <laughs> off air. Yeah, the uh, it was. I I won't name the speaker because I don't remember exactly which speaker it was, but it was a speaker of solid reformed men and uh, conference, and just pointed out, reminded us that. The work that Jesus did, I mean, he is the eternal son of God, but here on earth as a man, as a human, the work he did was through the power of the Holy Spirit that indwelt him. And uh, uh, the comforting thing that we can take from that is we have been given that same spirit, uh, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who sustained our Lord through his earthly ministry. And J.C. Ryle just says, let us take heed that we give the Holy Spirit the same place in our personal faith which we find him occupying in God's Word. And um, we often talk about in our church that the work of God in our hearts and lives is a combination of Word and Spirit, that the Spirit works with the Word to transform us, to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ lived in complete dependence on the Spirit, then we should too. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.